Passion Week. Good Friday. This is the moment of time that history stops for three hours. It's a moment of time when all of history finds its pinnacle meanings. All of Passion Week for Jesus has led up to this moment. These are the hours that will change human history forever. This week has been an amazing week for Jesus, but it has led up to this amazing night of suffering. And for those of us that are believers, we know that the end of the story is that in three days, Jesus will rise again from the tomb. But this night, this night is the night when Jesus paid for our sins. And he did it in the most horrific ways possible. This is the night when the physical was invaded by the spiritual, emotional realities of what was going on. So my question to you is this. Have you ever been influenced by something so emotionally or so spiritually that it it came out in a physical way. When our stress level rises and it comes out in some sort of physical demonstration or our happiness can't be con controlled and we, we laugh outrageously or when the disappointment is so overwhelming that we can't hold it anymore and it, and it comes out in a physical demonstration of weeping. Sometimes those physical, spiritual and emotional lines cross and tonight, that's exactly what happened in the life of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what happened in this world. When I proposed to my wife, I remembered a similar circumstance for me when the emotional entered into the physical. I had invited Beth to uh, dinner at an Italian restaurant and I ordered spaghetti of all things. I don't usually order spaghetti, but I did this night. I don't know why, it's probably the first thing I pointed to on the menu. I was full of nerves, butterflies in my stomach. I think I ate some of the spaghetti and I think I did because I felt like I was going to throw it up all night. I didn't know what her answer would be. I had hoped what her answer would be, but I had set this thing up all day. I'd gone to the restaurant beforehand, talked to the maitre d', got him to get some roses and flowers and he was going to, and balloons, and he was going to bring those to us once I proposed. Afterwards, it was right in Virginia Beach, so it was right on the water. We were going to go walking on the boardwalk and I was going to propose to her and then he was going to bring them down all of those things, but once that moment hit and I was eating and I knew what was gonna happen, I was full of nerves. And once we get down to the boardwalk and I bent down on my knee and I asked Beth to marry me, I got the answer that I was hoping for. And when we turned around, the whole restaurant was standing in the windows and they were all clapping and cheering. They knew what was going on. The flowers came out, the balloons came out. It was amazing. But I was amazed that night at how much my emotional stress demonstrated itself in a physical way. Sometimes a connection between what's happening emotionally to us affects us in physically profound ways. Have you ever had that happen in a spiritual way? Has, have you ever gone through some spiritual reality, some spiritual stress moment that came out in some physical demonstration? For me, sometimes that's prayer. Sometimes I'll be praying to the point where I am so engaged in what I'm saying, I, I can't speak anymore. Sometimes I'll weep. It's amazing to me how sometimes these lines will cross. There are different levels of experience that we go through. On the one hand, there's what we see. On the other hand, there's what we feel. And still on the other hand, there's what God is doing. Once in a while, only a few times in our lives, we're reminded that our body, our soul, and our spirit are all connected in profound ways. The night of Jesus' death, we see this in a very amazing way. 
The physical, emotional, and spiritual stress of the week collided like no other time in history. The Gospels help us understand this by giving us a, a, a window into the pain that Jesus was going through, through her, his horrific beatings and the, and the pain that he went through as he was nailed to the cross. But the writers want us to know much more than just the physical suffering of Jesus Christ. The writers of the gospel and even God himself invites us into the story to understand not just what's happening in a physical way of a man being crucified on the cross, but what's happening in a spiritual way. So much so that physical things around Jesus this night were being impacted in ways that are unbelievable. Each writer gives us these remarkable clues into what is happening in the spiritual realm by helping us see what's happening physically. Listen to the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew, he writes in verse 46, Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. Matthew gives us his version, his his given interpretation through the Holy Spirit of what was happening in that day. And Matthew gives us some really amazing insight into the, into the spiritual reality of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Physically, there's darkness on the earth. This is an eclipse in the middle of the day that lasts for three hours. Now, you need to know, historically, Passover happens at the full moon, and there's never an eclipse during the full moon. But this day, this special day, there was an eclipse that lasted three hours. Now, before the darkness descended, Jesus had prayed for the soldiers that had nailed him to the cross. He asked God to forgive them. They didn't know what they did. Jesus had had a conversation with both thieves on either side of him and promised one of them, the one that was humble enough to repent, promised him that he would be in heaven with him for eternity. That day, he would be with him in his father's kingdom. He had given the care of his mother to the beloved, the beloved disciple. But for these three hours, when darkness came over the earth, the gospels are silent. There's no writing during these three hours of what was happening other than simply watching the crucified body of our Lord leak life away. We're not given any information on what happened during those three hours. Only that Jesus' mission to secure our redemption through giving his body, his dying body on the cross, was being accomplished. And somehow, something was happening in this spiritual realm that we will never understand fully. The God of the universe was dying. The Lord is using the physical realm to illustrate and indicate the spiritual realities that are taking place. And when that is happening, the earth grows dark. And then we're given these words in verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, Lameth Sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now somehow a perfect relationship with the Father has been somehow impacted by our sin. Like never before, like never again. But during these three hours, Something was happening to tear this relationship in ways it's never been torn before. And during those three hours, we are only released from them with the words of Jesus Christ. The time is important, not just because of the length, but because of what happened 
during these three hours. This was twilight. This was three o'clock. This was the time when the Passover lambs were killed. The Passover lamb was given to us from the Passover, amazingly enough, from the story that we're going through in Moses, the narrative of, of Moses when he pulled the people out of Egypt. And that blood was put on the tops of the doors and on the sides of the doors. And when the angel of death saw the blood, he would pass over those houses. Every year, the Jews would illustrate this reality, their freedom from Egypt, by celebrating the Passover, by remembering this is what it took for God to pass over the sins of those families, the blood that was applied to the top and the blood that was applied to the sides. Have you ever, have you ever uh, realized how many times Jesus illustrates himself as the Lamb of God? He calls himself the Lamb of God because Jesus is our Passover Lamb. He was killed, his blood was shed on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, so that God would look over our sins, pass over our sins. And he was killed once and for all the sins of the world. This is why Jesus was a lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. This Passover would be for all time and for all people. In verse 50, he goes on, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And apparently this very physical death of a very physical man had a very spiritual impact. Your sins, my sins, the sins of the entire planet, past, present, future, were about to be eradicated once and for all through the death of this lamb and the blood that was applied to the cross. And God would intervene in this physical realm to illustrate this, to communicate to us, Jesus is our lamb slain for our sins, God's best given for our sins first thing that we see is the torn curtain. You could read through this and just be amazed that a curtain could be torn from top to bottom, but it's more than that. Look what Matthew writes, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus' reality, the spiritual reality of Jesus' death resulted in a very physical event, a curtain being torn, not from bottom to the top, but from top to the bottom. At three o'clock, when Jesus died, when he gave up his spirit, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. The torn curtain declared, Jesus has removed every barrier between you and God, between me and the Father. Through his death on the cross and his blood that was put on the cross and can be applied from that to our sins, he has removed the barrier that existed between our sin and a holy God. This is a divine object lesson from God, something physical that happened to demonstrate a spiritual reality. This holy place in the temple was, was divided. There's, there's two sections of this inner temple. The most holy place on the planet was called the Holy of Holies, and it was behind this amazing, huge curtain. Now, in Solomon's day, the curtain was shorter. When Herod built his temple, the curtain was taller. It's actually twice as tall. It was actually 60 feet tall. This curtain was 60 feet tall and 30 feet wide. It was a fabric twisted of 72 threads, it was actually, when it was done, four inches thick. Solomon's temple was amazing, but Herod's temple was outstanding. This was physically seen 
as a place where God dwelt. And if you wanted to see God, you would only be allowed in there once a year. And only the holy, the, the holy priest called the high priest, he was the only one allowed behind there, but just once a year. That curtain divided all humanity and the holiest place, the holy of holies. This high priest would take a vial of blood across and he would pour it over the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was really a throne. I don't know if you know that, but on top of it, it had angels with wings outstretched and it had a seat, but there was nothing on the seat because there's no images of God to be made. God dwelt in this holy place on the Ark of the Covenant. And when this blood came through once a year, it would be poured over for the sins of the entire Israelite camps. But for us on this day, and nobody was allowed through, but for us on this day, God tore the curtain, not from the bottom to the top, not from humans to God, but from God to humanity. This is a physical act they did every year to demonstrate a cleansing reality. And the high priest had to do everything right when he went across that curtain. Listen, historically, our access, access for humanity to God has been denied. You think about the the Garden of Eden, where sin first occurred in Genesis 3. Once sin occurred, God sent them out of the garden and put an angel there to forbid them to come back. When Sinai, when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, the presence of God descended on the mountain and nobody was allowed to touch it. Only the two people invited, which was Moses and him only to the top. Joshua was only allowed halfway. Anyone else that came near to the, to, to the mountain, including an animal, was to be put to death. Access to God was not something that they took for granted. There was not something they ever had. And the tabernacle and the temple was the same thing. The curtain was as close as you could get to God. No trespassing, authorized personnel only. Ever since our sin, there's always been a barrier between us and God. That's why when you talk to God, sometimes you don't feel him and sometimes you feel like he can't hear you. Our sin prevents us from the assurance that God sees and hears and cares for us. God hears everything. God invites you to run to him. And he has torn that curtain in half because through Jesus Christ, you have full access before a holy God. Ephesians 2.18 puts it this way. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This is the reality, physical reality this curtain torn in two that demonstrated a spiritual truth, you can have a relationship with a holy God. Number two, the open tombs. These people that came temporarily to life, again, you could zip over this and just think this is a weird kind of a story, but let's read it. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. There's an earthquake that happened and a spiritual truth is going to be realized through this physical event. Verse 52, the tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had been who had fallen asleep, that means they were dead. These saints were raised. And coming up out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and, and appeared to many. Open tombs declared that Jesus will raise from the dead. Jesus' body physically will raise from the tomb. This was a gift to us so that we could see the reality of what was to come because of Jesus' death on the cross. He was paying for our sins, the sins that would have separated us from God for eternity. He paid for those sins on the cross. His pure blood, holy blood, was what it took 
a pure and holy lamb to forgive us of our sins. Paul said, because he rose from the dead, we too will rise someday. And the people who rose from the dead this day demonstrated a physical reality that was being secured for every believer in Jesus Christ. Because of this death, you will rise from the dead. The death of Jesus Christ is only meaningful if there's a resurrection. Matthew can't just tell the story without letting you know resurrection is happening. You don't have to wait for Sunday. <laughs> See what Jesus' death is doing. It's restoring life. Number three, God saved the unexpected. The third great miracle at Jesus' death, where physical things are seen to demonstrate a spiritual reality that's going on, is found in verse 54. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what was taking place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. Those unexpected converts declared a spiritual reality as well. There is no one who has sinned too deeply in this world or has fallen so far from God's gift of spiritual forgiveness that it cannot reach them as well. God tears the curtain as a declaration that through Jesus, salvation is possible. God shakes the grounds and opens the tomb as a de declaration of the reality, the truth that is being occurred and that is happening because of this death. Dead people will rise. And now God works one of the greatest miracles on the planet. And it's not the earthquake and it's not the eclipse. It's the fact that dead, and it's not even the fact that death, dead, dead people will rise from the dead. The greatest miracle is that the centurion could be forgiven. The very men who killed Jesus, the very men who directed the nails to be put into the hands, the very men who put those, hand, those nails in the right places so this body would expire slowly over time, the very men who beat Jesus, those men realized this was indeed the Son of God. And God could even redeem them. Listen, there's no one too far from God. There's no one too dirty. There's no one too defiled. There's no one too disgusting. There's no one too far gone that God's grace cannot reach them. Listen, if you've mocked God publicly, you still have forgiveness offered to you. If you've put the nails into Jesus' hands yourself, you still have God's forgiveness offered to you. If you mock him on a cross, you still have God's forgiveness offered to you. This is the greatest accomplishment in humanity, sealed in a physical death and affecting a spiritual reality. The worldview shift of a Roman guard in his entourage, they went from polytheistic pagan worship to worship of the one true God. They went from mocking, tormenting, and executing Jesus in a moment to give their lives to Jesus. And it happened simply by a change of heart. The events of the crucifixion were so shocking and so revealing that this, this polytheistic idol worshiper, the centurion who crucified our Lord, was given a road to heaven. The physical reality and the spiritual reality join in this occasion to show us something bigger was happening than just a simple crucifixion. 
Thousands have been crucified. Thousands of people have been crucified over the years, but none like this. Jesus' crucifixion accomplished much more than we could see with our eyes. His crucifixion was a declaration of war in the spiritual realm. Hell rejoiced and Jesus' followers mourned, but something greater was being accomplished. Our sins were being forgiven by a holy God. Our redemption was about to be secure in three days with the resurrection. And Jesus was accomplishing his mission to secure that redemption and give us a right to be called sons and daughters of the living God. Ephesians 2 verse 13 puts it this way. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The gospel writers go out of their way to help us see this clash of the physical and the spiritual for a reason. What happened to Jesus this night was an intersection of the physical and the spiritual and the emotional like never before in human history. And for those who trust in Jesus, my desire is that we would look at the events of the crucifixion, like the centurion and like the guards who sat there and looked up and declared this crucifixion, this death is like none other. With awe and gratitude, we see what Jesus did for us. On the cross, Jesus removed every obstacle that stands between you and God. On the cross, Jesus removed every problem that we would have that would give us no access to the Father. Because of his perfect sacrifice, we can be made perfect. He removed every obstacle but one. And that's simply this. It is our decision to believe our decision to surrender. Like the centurion at the cross, we must too bend the knee and declare that this crucifixion, this death has the power to redeem us and make us right with the Father. To crucify Jesus is to have our sins forgiven. Only we can decide to re relive these events every year and choose not to believe. And I would say, if you're having trouble believing this, do what the disciples did. They prayed, Lord, help us, help our unbelief. And for those who have trusted in Jesus, it's essential that we remember what he did for us, this clash of physical and spiritual. This night has transformed our reality. When you come to Jesus and believe, you'll never be the same. This night, Jesus did everything physically possible to give us a spiritual reality that we are good with God. Jesus physically died to give you a relationship with the Holy God. Listen, I'm here to tell you, I said it last week and I'll say it again. Good people don't go to heaven, only forgiven ones do. And if you're going to get to heaven, you've got to do it on the back of a crucified Savior. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it this way. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. His death has secured for us a spiritual reality, eternal life, and a physical resurrection someday.
That is the gospel. You are saved through faith in this death of Jesus Christ. This is the truth of the gospel. The gospel does its work in us when we believe. Jesus did everything you needed to do in order to be right with God. So I invite you, crawl into heaven on the back of a crucified Savior. His invitation is for you to do just that. His blood will wash you clean. Only through his death can you die to sin. Only through his resurrection can you live for God. And only because of this truth can we know real life and life more abundant. The story does not end with Good Friday. Thank God it doesn't. If it were Jesus stuck on a cross, we would be hopeless. The truth is, our salvation is secured in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I invite you, believe and be saved. Let me pray with you. So Father, I am grateful that we get to celebrate Good Friday again. It is an amazing truth where spiritual, the spiritual realm and the physical realm clash for this one crucial moment in history so that our salvation can be secured. Jesus died on the cross physically and all of these spiritual truths were revealed to us through the torn curtain, through the people resurrected from the dead who will die again someday, but once, oh, but be revived once and for all at the great day of resurrection. And the centurion who Jesus was able to forgive even when he hung there, dead on the cross. Help us, Father, to live this reality in our lives as people who have hope, not as those who worship a dead Messiah. Like every other God people worship, like every other prophet people worship. However, Jesus is not, not like those folks. He is alive, he is well, and he intercedes for us. And because he lives, we too will live someday. We, although dead from these bodies, will be resurrected and know not just a spiritual reality, but we will know the physical reality of being raised from the dead ourselves. Oh, we look forward to that day. We look forward to seeing our Savior again. And we pray in his name. Amen. We come to communion. We celebrate this each Sunday. But communion is really a representation of what happened in the upper room with Jesus this last night with his disciples. Be before the floggings, before the betrayal, before the time in the garden, before the crucifixion, before the tomb, there was one last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. And in this last supper, Jesus shares some words with these disciples to indicate to them that this was a plan that was being unfolded. This was not the end. And what they would experience in the next few hours, the pain, the sorrow, the disappointment, the confusion, was simply a result of them not understanding the story was ongoing. To the, many of them, the story ended tonight. But to Jesus, this was the climax. This is when Jesus would pay for our sins. He tried to tell them in the upper room by using certain language to let them know this was an unfolding of the continuing story. Now, as they were eating, Matthew writes in Matthew 26, verse 26, Jesus took bread 
And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. The story was unfolding. Jesus was hitting the climactic moment of his mission, but the disciples didn't understand. For them, Good Friday was a crushing blow to their faith, to their hopes, to their vision of the future. And they would lose their best friend. Jesus, however, instituted this for us as a reminder. This is why Paul tells the Corinthian church, keep doing communion. Because when we eat the bread and we drink the juice, it's a reminder to us of what it took for us to have redemption. Of what it took for us to have death arrested and have our lives again. And so church, I invite with you as we do each Sunday, we do special tonight. Would you partake with me of the body of Jesus Christ represented in the bread and the juice, which represents his blood that was shed for us. Let's take a moment and give our attention fully to the Lord. 